Blog Talk Radio. Slow down, touch your life. Don't you know there's friends to be found? Lift your eyes and see the world. Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network, sponsored by Sunbury Press, publisher of paperback, hardcover, and electronic books in a variety of categories distributed worldwide wherever books are sold. I'm your host, Lawrence Knorr, and this evening we have author and historian John Lindermuth, who's written a book, Hear the Whistle Blowing, Railroading in the Coal Region. John Lindermuth surveys the history of railroading in the coal region of Pennsylvania from its earliest days to the introduction of diesel engines. Lindermuth covers railroad towns, daily life, working on the railroad, sounds like a song, accidents, labor woes, innovations, and other topics. John is a native of Shemokin in Northumberland County, Pennsylvania, and he was a newspaper man for many years, over 40 years, now retired. Serving now in his retirement as a librarian at the Northumberland County Historical Society. John, welcome. Great to talk to you. How you been? Thank you. Glad for the opportunity. This is a, a very interesting book. At Sunbury Press, we always love to get into history, and we also especially like the history of uh, that uh, Susquehanna Valley, especially upriver where you're from. Uh, I guess the first question I have for you is your interest in railroads. Where did that come from? Uh, you know, what what piqued your interest on this book? Well, I come from a family of railroaders. My my father, my grandfather, great grandfather, they were all railroaders. A couple of uncles. I never I never took to the rails, but I heard a lot about them growing up. So, what time frame? Like your did you knew your grandfather? Uh, I knew um, my grandfather, yes. Did he tell you stories about back in oh, those yeah. days? Yeah, he, he so, had to retire early. He had a heart problem. And mm-hmm. growing up, I spent a lot of time with him. One of the things we used so, to do was walk down to see the trains come in every day. Yeah. So what what were his uh, – when was he born and when did he pass? Uh, he was born in 1885 and died in 1956. So he was, uh, I guess, on the railroad maybe around right before World War One and in that era. Yes. So you have any interesting stories he used to tell you? Were there any like big crashes or wrecks or uh, railroad heists or anything exciting like that? Well, his father. My great-grandfather was actually killed in a railroad accident in Shemokin. And I heard that wow. story many times. So what? Um, which railroads were going through Shemokin back in those times? Uh, the Reading and the Pennsylvania. Yeah. So my family, I know... Uh, my family affiliated with the Reading. Yeah. So two huge corporations at one time back in those days, and of course they're both on the monopoly board. Yes. But uh, was it the Reading or the Pennsylvania that was the largest corporation in the world at one time? I think it was the Reading. The Pennsylvania. 
That was a Pennsylvania. Uh, the, the, okay, Reading, well. the Reading was large because of its coal holdings. So that, I'm guessing that was probably uh, the main uh, cargo yes. coming out of the Shimokan area. Had to be uh, the anthracite. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you know where all it went? Was it mostly going to Philly and then distributed it on, you know, rails elsewhere, or was it going to, on the ships? Or it went to uh, it went to Philly. It went to Maryland to Baltimore. There were also lines that went up to New York. But tell me, tell me about pretty good portion of the East Coast. Yeah, it had to have been if it was the largest corporation at one time. If you think about it, Pennsylvania was like Texas became for oil, almost yeah. like how uh, Saudi Arabia is for oil these days. And uh, you know, I tell people when we talk about Pennsylvania history, Pennsylvania was sort of like the Silicon Valley of the 1800s so much industry so much technology and growth and an amazing time to have lived here it still is I guess (laughs) a lot of history Uh, Uh, the anthracite actually fueled most of the other industries at the time yeah yeah I'm I'm sure it uh, you know literally fueled all the other industries (laughs) yeah so tell me about Shimokin. I know uh, Shimokin, I've been up that way, and I, I just love the landscape there. In fact, the cemetery is really kind of quaint, too. It's a little <laughs> creepy, but, uh, you know, a nice hilly town. And although it's definitely seen better days, uh, what's going on in Shimokin these days? And maybe tell us well, a little it, bit about your youth in Shimokin. Well, I I was growing up at the end of the of Cole's demise and it's gone downhill since then as far as employment is concerned uh, we had the, the coal and we had the silk mills at one time but now now we're pretty much dependent on people traveling elsewhere for jobs other than government jobs local and yeah. there's, there's, of course a prison we have a prison that employs a good portion of the population now too yeah, that's not the best kind of employer, though. No. <laughs> yeah, I remember going through a, a couple times and uh, getting out and photographing. I like to get out and uh, take my camera, and there's just a lot of photogenic stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of run down and worn out and dilapidated. How many how many homes in Shimokin do you think are unoccupied? Is there a number on that? Uh, I don't know offhand, but there certainly are a lot now. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. And you're still living in the area? I, I live in Cole Township on the outskirts of of Shimokin. Yeah, I know there's some some nice, still some very nice neighborhoods. I uh, there was a book we did, um, a short season, um, published it earlier last year, and there was a large number of orders from up your way. Uh, Josiah, uh, the subject of the book, was from Higgins, the Higgins area. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I say up your way. It's still like, what, 20, 30 miles from you. Yeah, it, but, it's, it's in the same county, but not right next yeah. door. But there were people from pretty much from Northumberland, Shimokin, 
Sunbury up to Bloomsburg ordering this book. And I had like 200 copies or so to deliver. And I thought, well, instead of mailing them, I'm just going to drive up there and loop around in the country and enjoy myself. And so I got into Cole Township, got into Shemokin, and, and I saw that there still are some very nice homes, nice neighborhoods up that way. And uh, But the, the center of the town, which which at one time must have been quite a booming, bustling town, uh, you know, I'd definitely seen better days. And uh, Yeah, the population what else? is prob- probably a third of what it was when I was growing up. Really? Wow. Wow. So tell me some more about uh, what, what's in your book, Hear the Whistle Blowing. Kind of take us through that. Uh, give us some highlights. Why should somebody want to pick it up? Well, I start with the history of how the railroads developed and then go on to the daily life of the workers and their families. There's information about the accidents, labor, the uh, the labor unions, how they developed, and of course down to the development of the, the diesel and, and then the demise of the industry. Although yeah, so, railroads in business, but it's not the same as it used to be either. Yeah, so the peak was while it was still steam engines, maybe run by coal, fired by coal. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the yeah. first engines were fueled by wood, but then mm-hmm. when they learned how to burn anthracite, they switched over. Tell me about some of the accidents. Was there a was there a really nasty one at some point? A famous one? A couple famous ones? Oh, there there are. There was one where people were going down to New Jersey to uh, down near Dunellen. There was a really terrible accident where uh, eleven people from Shimokin and Mount Carmel were among the 13 who were killed in a head-on collision collision between mm-hmm. two trains of the Lehigh Valley Railroad. Yeah, it's head-on collisions. I'll get to every time. <laughs> yeah, I have a... Let me think. My, uh, my grand, great-grandmother's grandfather... Last name was Ober. He was killed in a train wreck in Ohio, mm. head-on collision back probably about 1880-something, and uh, left a lot of orphans. And I often thought, Geez, how many of these head-on collisions were there? Couldn't they come up with some technology or something to uh, <laughs> to help prevent them? But Well, they came up with better switching systems, and that was a big help in avoiding those head-on collisions. Yeah. That telegraphy, of course, so that they could tell where they were. Right, right. Hopefully they knew where they were. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I guess uh, thus the signs along the way and the water towers and all those other markers. Yeah, I've always been fascinated by, uh, by the railroads. And I know that uh, that area there in Sunbury, along the river, for quite some time, there was a lot of canal canal boats and going up and down the river. So, 
what time do you think the railroad started to become prominent and the canal boats were, were fading out? Well, the canal boats were prominent around our area in the 1830s, beginning in the 1830s. And then the railroads started coming in late in that same year or same time period. Probably by the 1840s and 50s, the railroads had taken over pretty much. But there were still there were still canal boats moving, but yeah. they had lost out pretty much of the business to the railroads. So maybe the the era of the canal boats were probably only a couple decades. Yes. Yeah. But tell me what else uh, about uh, the area up there historically that's it's of interest you're working at the historical society what do people come in to see or talk about well in in the historical society they mainly come a, a good portion of the people come to do genealogy on their family families that originally originated in the area but the fort augusta was built on the site of our historical society and there's a right. lot of interest in that Although there's nothing left of the fort anymore, except the uh, we have a couple of cannons from the fort, and there's a, a well and a powder magazine. So I know that the uh, Indian village known as Shimokan. Now you're from Shimokan, but you're from uh, Shimokan, the coal mining town. Shimokan, the Indian village, was where present-day Sunbury is. Right. I'm mistaken. Um, what does the historical society have regarding those native inhabitants from years past? Are there any artifacts or? We, we've um, had several. We've had at least three digs on the site because some of the some of the Indian village was in that same area. So we have artifacts in our museum that were found on the site. You know how big a how big, how big a village it was. How many? People roughly, they estimate, were living there. It probably covered a pretty good portion portion of the city along the river. Yeah. I guess when they flooded, they just picked up and went up up the hill. <laughs> uh, were they in? You know, they weren't your Western Indians uh, natives living in teepees. These were people probably in longhouses or yes, uh, more permanent structures. Yeah, the the Delaware or the Lenape had been conquered by the Iroquois, and the Iroquois were sort of guardians to them and to other tribes that lived in the area. And the fort that I mentioned was actually built at the request of the Indians to protect them from the French during, prior to the French and Indian War. Ah. Yeah, I was wondering if that was one of the forts that Ben Franklin had planned Along the rim of Ringa Mountains, or the the uh, the ridge, pretty much around okay, that it time, built, it was built for the French and Indian War, and then mm-hmm. remained in service down to the Revolution. Although there were never any battles there, right? They said at one right. point the the French had come to Blue Hill across the river, and saw the fortifications and turned around and went back. So probably one of the most famous people from the area was Shikalemi. 
Yes. Who was uh, a chief there for a while. I guess he was an Iroquois. He was an Iroquois. Um, yeah. He was so the governor of the of the village. Right. Do you know about what time period he was he was in that area? That was around the French and Indian War era, uh, was it not? Uh, he died. I think he actually died before the war. He died somewhere in the seven forties. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in Conrad Weiser. And uh, you know the the German, Pennsylvania German and uh, his his role as an Indian interpreter, and I know he spent a lot of time up there in Shimok in the Indian village. And Shikalemi was a friend, mm-hmm. and uh, the whole Tuppahawken Path comes into play with that. Steve Troutman's yeah. done an excellent book on that, and uh, it also is the way that I believe my ancestors got into the Mahantonga Valley. Following the Tuppelhuggin Path, that would have been the path, right? Yeah, taking their land there. So, Shikalemi, one question I've always had: uh, We're uh, working all the time on uh, the Keystone Tombstone series of books uh, and looking for interesting stories, interesting graves of noteworthy Pennsylvanians. And I've always wondered about Shikalemi's grave, and I heard it's on an island in the river that the the people of Shimokan, the Indian village, would go down river a little bit to bury their dead. Mm-hmm. Or is that just a legend? Well, there, there, there's speculation, but nothing firm. One, one group says that he was buried up the river, as you say, and then there's another marker just above us that says he was buried on that site. Ah, okay. And they did do it. Really they, they did discover, they did discover a, a body in that second site that I mentioned, but whether it was mm-hmm. actually him, we don't know. Yeah, I don't think you'd ever know. Yeah. So the getting back to the railroads, uh, now we've kind of covered a huge swath of history here from <laughs> Native Americans to uh, the present. The uh, the Tuppahawken Path was that. Did that come into play at all with the railroads, or how were the railroads routed through through the area up there? Where did the what towns did you connect to to come on down to Reading and Philly? Uh, I think the Reading followed the old Reading Road up to Reading and Potts or through Pottsville and up to Reading that way. So that'd be Route 61. Yeah. Today. Yeah. But a, a lot of the railroads did follow the old Indian trails. depending on the lay yeah. of the land where it was possible. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking about Troutman's book, and uh, I'm not recalling any much talk about railroad tracks. It's mostly it's still footpaths or uh Yeah, I, I think they're called mainly footpaths. Yeah. yeah. So you've both also written uh, another book, Digging Dusky Diamonds, uh, about coal mining. When did When did coal mining start up that way? Uh, in the 1830s. Now, I had heard about... They say there was a legend in Pottsville about Necco Allen. Yes. was his name, discovering coal. Is that that, uh, the story out in Shemokin Way as well? 
Well, Nico Allen discovered the coal up in the Schuylkill County area, but uh, Tomlinson, another Quaker, discovered the first coal in this area, in Shemokin area. And of course, so I guess what? there were some earlier settlers that had seen the coal but didn't know what it, what to do with it. Right. Yeah. So there you are in Shemokin. Somebody finds coal, and you know there's a couple mountains that Shemokin sort of sits between and on. Uh, I'm assuming those mountains were probably just filled with coal underneath veins of coal. Some of them are, um, yes. Yeah, and and so, they did, they did, of course, do surveys on all of them. Right. So. What was in Shemokin around that time? Was it was it even much of a town, a trading post? Just a couple settlers there, here and there. There were there were three or four mostly, mostly doing timbering, and timbering and farming ah. at the time. So then the coal's discovered, and then it's a boom town. Basically, yes. Because mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of the architecture around town is Victorian. Uh, probably late Victorian. So, what would you say the peak was for Sun- for uh, Shemokin? Maybe eighteen eighty, eighteen ninety. Probably in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the, some of the large colonial homes—not colonial, but Victorian homes—on Sunbury Street, which was where a lot of the mine owners lived, are evidence of. How much money they made? Yeah, and none, none of those none of those families stayed afterward. Yeah, is there an effort to maintain or restore or you know, keep some of those historic places? Uh, some of them have been restored and and are still occupied. Others have fallen into ruin or become nursing homes or office buildings. Yeah. Now has. Uh, has fracking had any impact on Shemokin? Has there been any gas discovered up that way? Mm, nothing very significant yet around here. Yeah. Other parts of the county, yes, but not so much around here. So if I was to come on up to Shemokin and say, hey, John, show me the two or three most interesting things around here, where would you take me first? Well... The coal mines are gone. <laughs> the collieries are <Yeah>. gone. <laughs> Any of the breakers still up there? Or are they all falling, falling down? They're all pretty much gone too. Yes. Probably yeah. have to take you up to Ashland to see the uh, Pioneer Tunnel. What's in the Pioneer Tunnel? The Pioneer Tunnel is, is a tourist attraction. It's it's an actual old working mine that has been converted oh. to tourism. And the state has a mining museum there right next to it. Oh, cool. I've never done that. That might be worth a trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything down Sunbury Way? Uh, Sunbury, you have the Edison of Hotel, of course. Right. We have a maps for a walking tour of some of the historic homes in Sunbury. I know Northumberland, you've got Priestley. Northumberland, there's also 
a walking tour over there too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you know about Joseph Priestley? Anything? Uh, I I know when he came and why he came. I've been. That was in the my house. first question to me. Why? <laughs> why? why did Joseph Priestley evolve? Well, actually. His son and Samuel Coleridge, the poet, planned to come over here and uh, start a utopian community. Mm. And, of course, Coleridge never came, but Priestley's son did and bought some land, and his father followed him over, and, of course, they never founded the utopian community, but at, at least it brought him here. Yeah, and he was up there, what, like just after the revolution? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to place, uh, you know, I'm thinking about my own family history in the Mahantongo Valley, and I know before the French and Indian War, uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, settlement into those lands. I don't think they had actually been purchased yet from the natives. Mm -hmm. But... You know that that area there from Northumberland, Shimokin, Sunbury was was the edge of the frontier at one point in Pennsylvania, I believe. Yeah, it was only open to settlement in 1769. So, right, right. Interesting. Well, you've also been uh, writing some fiction. I see. I know we've got a couple of your books. Um, maybe you could talk about your interest there. These are historical mysteries. Well, I started out just writing conventional mysteries, and then I got into the historical mysteries, and I found them more entertaining to to write. What do you enjoy more, writing real history or historical fiction? I go back and forth between the two. I, I have an interest in both. What are you working always, on now? I always did want to write fiction. Yeah. What are you What are you working on now? You have anything new coming out soon? Uh, right now I'm working on a, a conventional mystery and another western. I've published okay. a couple of westerns too. Yeah, I saw that you had a you have a pretty good list of books. And from uh, with several publishers, and I appreciate the connection you made for us to uh, Eileen Opser, who uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the press that went out of business, but uh, she was one that we picked up. Yeah, she was She's excited. Happy to find us. To pick her up. Yeah, yes, yeah, she was. I'm I'm thinking, how do I get up there to visit her at some point? She's in the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, go squat up in Long Island. <laughs> At some point, that'd be fun. Well, we've got a couple of minutes to go here. Is there anything else you were thinking about with your railroad book or your your coal mining book that you wanted to share? Uh, I think if if anybody has an interest in railroads, they'd find it of of interest, and just the information on how the how the people lived at the time, because there's a lot of the uh, Information is taken from contemporary newspapers, so it gives an insight into some things that we don't actually 
think about that often, how tough their lives were. Yeah. How many hours a day did they work? Well, it was only in the 19, 1920s, I think, that they got an eight-hour day. Before that, it was 12, wow. 15 hours a day, wow. seven days a week was- when are they saying that song? I've been working on the railroad all the live long day. All the live long day. Yeah. <laughs> really. All right, John. Well, it's been great talking to you this evening. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon when the next book okay. comes out. All right. Thank you. All right. We've been talking to John Lindermuth, the author of Hear the Whistle Blowing, Railroading in the Coal Region. This has been the Sunbury Press Book Show. Thank you for listening. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.